Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Grind podcast. I know everybody has been sitting on pins and needles waiting for the next episode with uh, your illustrious hosts, Dave McClung, and always the illustrious, lovely, <laughs> infamous, which is more than famous, you name it, Chad Grigsby. Great to be here, Dave. As always, in studio once again. Yeah. It's always good to be in it studio. It always sets you up with that, and then all you say, glad to be here, Dave. Yeah, you know. You know. You say illustrious every time. I say glad to be here every time. It's just <laughs> yeah, what we do. That's right. That's right. Uh, production minister. I know that's coming next, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our uh, uh, almost yeah illustrious <laughs> production almost minister said something else. Probably would have been inappropriate. So uh, uh, super sexy Nick Burt over here as well. Uh, that's right. If you would have said something bad, I would have edited it out anyways. <laughs> Maybe. These podcasts get edited a lot more than people think. <laughs> you do you do your magic, Nick. You do it That's very right. Well. We are thankful for uh now the the tough thing is he's he's holding all these unedited podcasts back somewhere to use his blackmail material later. And yeah. uh so that's a little frightening as to where those might pop out. We try and, to keep uh, we try to keep Nick happy. That's right. We do. We, keep him we happy. do. Yeah. I just try to keep a healthy amount of fear alive. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so we also have uh, via FaceTime. Uh, Skype would not work. Thank you, Skype, for not working today. Uh, but via FaceTime, a uh, Doug Hickson from Connection Church in Spearfish, South Dakota. What's up, guys? It's <laughs> a little delay there. I was like, he's about to pull a Chad. I just know it. Well, I was waiting on the uh, descriptive adjective that you might use with my name. Well, so. the- and and I, I'm good without one because uh, they have no meaning because you use the same one for everybody. <laughs> Everybody's special. Nobody's special, That's right? right. That's right. That's right. Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. Doug, really, there there are are not enough adjectives in the world to describe how wonderful you are and. Mm. Uh, you know, and how many people want to be you. And uh, when. Well, I know that list is short. <laughs> yeah. When you look up hopes and dreams in the dictionary, there's a picture of Doug Hickson. That's, That's what right. I found. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, <laughs> And so, standing shirtless in the snow in South Car- in South Dakota, not South Carolina, South Dakota. There's an image for you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! Wow. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, we, let's get this back. We on track are the upward me. basketball of podcasts. We give we give trophies to everybody. <laughs> All right. I don't even know how you save that. I don't. There's. I don't. There's no way. And so, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, back on track here after that derailment uh, ended horribly with bodies mangled everywhere. Uh, but uh, so glad to have Doug here, uh, Arkansas guy uh, that wound up in the uh, hills of South Dakota, and uh, so uh, doing an incredible job up there. So we're going to talk. Church planting with Doug, and you guys have planted three or four 
churches out of Spearfish. We, we've planted our church plus three more. So. Okay. Well, talk kind of talk about your ministry journey from, you know, early on, just what led you to South Dakota and then including what's happened Spearfish and beyond in South Dakota. You bet. You bet. Well, um, I've, you know, spent some time in Arkansas, some great churches there, and then God led us to Texas, and I was pastoring a church there that was kind of a replant. Uh, we weren't using that language back then, uh, but uh, it's it's kind of like a church plant that just had a good core group and some money that we didn't have to do any fundraising. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so we, we had a great time in Texas, but in the midst of, midst of that, then uh, uh, God had called us to... Uh, do some mission team work uh, in North and South Dakota. And so we began to take some trips up there and kind of just fell in love with the whole church planting process and just felt like God had called us to uh, begin to pray for uh, church planting efforts in the Dakotas. And in that process, God just grabbed our heart and said, hey, I don't want to send somebody else. I want to send you. And that wasn't really what we had planned to to happen. We were we were uh, in a in a great church and in a good situation, and uh, God just you know began to lay upon our heart that we ought to think about church planting. And so we began to talk with uh, some of the people in the convention here and uh, found out about Spearfish, uh, college town, about ten thousand people, uh, and what really kind of. Uh, uh, kind of gave us what we needed to know about our calling was uh, they wanted to plant a church planting church. And so I had no clue what that meant, but it sounded really awesome. Yeah. So uh, for somebody who is uh, missions minded, that just sounded like the plan, you know? So, uh, so we, uh, we moved up here and uh, kind of parachuted in uh, some people helped us unload our truck and, and then we were by ourselves, just our family. So, so no other families came with you in that, just you guys. No, and... I, wow. I've always been impressed by that that people could recruit a team, but uh, most <laughs> people don't even know where South Dakota is, and so we <laughs> yeah. couldn't get anybody dumb enough to move up here with us. Uh, so we we were by ourselves for almost a year, wow. uh, and uh, so we just began the work. And actually, some Arkansas teams helped us begin our work in Spearfish, and uh, we just you know just had a vision and. Uh, really passionate about seeing that come to life. So, cool. It's awesome. So, so moving from southern culture and climate to northern culture and climate, uh, you know, what were some of the uh, you know major things that helped you connect? You know, if you, you guys went there as a family, you know, kind of by yourself as a family. So, what were some of the early things that helped you connect with people in South Dakota? And then, what were some of the you know, kind of greatest challenges you faced, you know, early on. Sure. Yeah. Well, God blessed us by uh, giving us a heart to really love the place that we're in. We, we learned uh, very early on in ministry that wherever God places you, you've got to make home or people just don't trust you. Mm. And so we, we, we made that decision. You know, if uh, of course, I was 38 when uh, I began this journey and, and most church planners are younger uh, at least used to be see some older guys doing it now. Uh, but we, we just began to, uh, uh, look at, you know, if we're going to do this, then we're all in. So that means we're going to make this home. Uh, we talk about, uh, visiting family that's not home. And some people would make that distinction about, you know, I'm going home for Christmas or I'm going to go home and see my family. We, we really made this home. And I think that helped us mentally survive. 
Um, God blessed us by putting us in the panhandle of Texas where we had a little bit of winter. So we would get about a foot and a half of snow a year. And so we were a little bit prepared, uh, for moving here, uh, where we get about eight feet or more a year. Uh, but we, we, we love this place. I mean, it's a great place to live. Uh, we're, we're really Midwest, you know, uh, it is a Northern culture, but it's not like a Chicago or a New York or a Seattle. And so Midwestern people are really, uh, what kind of what I've grown up with all my life. There's some, there's some cultural differences, but nothing crazy that uh, we couldn't overcome. Of course, being a Southern Baptist church in a Northern climate, is a different conversation because they really don't care uh, right. about, mm. you know, they're not impressed by Southern Baptists. And so we had to begin to think about, you know, what, what do we really want them to connect to? Do we want them to connect to a denomination or we want to connect to the, to the gospel? And so we're fully Southern Baptists and CP and the whole thing. Uh, but our, our banner that we really began to fly was that, um, that the gospel was most important and that we cared about our community. And that really helped us connect to uh, to people. But our family, uh, you know, we, we kind of uh, had a really strong conversation with our close family and just said, hey, this is what God's called us to do. And they were really supportive in that. And that helps. Yeah. You know, if you've got somebody always pulling back on you, trying to, hey, when are you going to move back or whatever, that can just be a real challenge. So, Do you think ministering in Arkansas, which is largely rural, <laughs> helped you when you moved to an area that's also rural. I mean, I remember I was up there in January and talking with some of the college students and they were like, do you live in a big city? And I was like, no, I live in a city of 10,000. And they were, and and to them, I think that was a a big city. So did it help you kind of, you know, going from a rural place to, would you consider South Dakota, South Dakota rural? I mean, even though it's small, you know, just talk about that kind of, if that helps. So how big is Spearfish? 10,000. 10, uh, we, okay. we have another 5,000 college students in our town, uh, but we're small. But at, at 10,000, that's the ninth largest city in our state. So oh, yeah. that kind of puts things pr- right. in perspective. Yeah. But I'm a small town guy. I've lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and a couple larger uh, northwest Arkansas areas. But, uh, you know, I just uh, mostly small town. That's where I grew up in Arkansas. That's where I've done a lot of my ministry. And so, man, if you threw me into downtown New York uh, City, I'd, I'd be out of place. And so I think it does prepare you for for where uh, God puts you, because, I, you know, small town is, is the environment that I understand, uh, you know, culturally and uh, spiritually and how things work. And, and so I think that really did prepare me for where God's placed us. And, and you know, small town is good and bad. You know, it, it can be, uh, it can be a real blessing. And then in other, other ways it, you know, it, it can work against you. But the way it helped us uh, was from a church planning perspective is that <clears throat> we can reach our whole town. So, you know, we can knock on every door in our city. We've done that probably a dozen times. Mm. And you can't do that in a town of 100,000 very easily. So right. mission teams, we've, we've just been able to infiltrate our city and, and really let everybody know who we are. And so that's been an advantage for a small town for us. So so, so what is the, the church climate up there, uh, you know, like, I mean, are there many other evangelicals that mostly mainline Protestant, Catholic, uh, anything? What? 
A lot of Catholic, a lot of Lutheran. That's the majority of people. Okay. But we have we have a representation in most mainline denominations, uh, and there is some there is some good evangelical work here. When we first moved up here, there was kind of a conversation with some of our denominational guys that there wasn't a lot of evangelical work here, but there is some, mm-hmm. and there are some churches that are really doing some good things, but there's just not enough. I, you know, we we estimate that our unchurched population is eighty percent plus. Uh, yeah. So, and and I think that's becoming what it is across the nation. I don't know that we're any different than most places in the nation. I really think that we're closer to 90 or, or more. Uh, but, you know, politically, to be nice to my city, I say 80. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it, it's it's high. I mean, it's it's really high. So, And, and there are some churches that are, that are really making good strides. But we have a lot of Catholic and Lutheran. And, of course, that means that there's some people who have religious knowledge but no relationship with Jesus. And that's right. been our greatest challenge. And where we've seen that work uh, out <clears throat> most practically in our ministry is that the majority of people that we baptized have been over 25 years old. So we have a lot of people who have a religious background but have never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we've been able to lead them to Christ and then baptize them and begin a discipleship process that they never got in their other religious activity. So, yeah. 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 It sounds very similar to what we have in the South. I mean, that was a lot of, we did in Batesville, a lot of churched people, but a lot of people that didn't necessarily have a relationship with Jesus. You could sit down with somebody and ask them, Hey, how'd you come to know Jesus? And they'd talk about their church history or, They'd say maybe even the closest thing they got to Jesus was they got saved, but they didn't talk about what that meant. Or I mean, they they wouldn't even they could tell you their whole testimony without mentioning Jesus. Yeah, sure, and it was just, sure. You know, crazy. Shifting gears a little bit, multiplication has really been a DNA of Connection Church since day one. One of the things we're trying to get our guys to do is plant pregnant. You know, mm-hmm. plant your church with the thought of the first church you're going to plant to try to establish that DNA of multiplication. So you guys have planted three churches out of the main campus in just over how many years have you guys been there now? Five? It's five years? Uh, my family's lived here almost seven years, but okay. our church is under six years old. So three three churches <coughs> launched out in six years, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about, you know, how do you, how did you make multiplication such a DNA thing and how do how do we help our planters uh, kind of take on the connection church dna multiplication you're kind of smiling sure. like yeah well th- <laughs> we know some you things have this I figured definitely- out yeah. Well, I got I got a couple things figured out. One of is uh, that that we've had people say, "How do you plant three churches in in six years or less?" And I say, "Man, if God doesn't tell you to do it, then don't do it." Because yeah. part of it is is a little bit, uh, you know, if God's not in it, it's completely reckless. Yeah. And if God's in it, it's still reckless, but He's in control. You know, <laughs> so we almost killed the first one uh, that we planted. Uh, not by any other reason, but we just didn't know what we were doing. Uh, and so uh, we we jumped in with both feet. Uh, you know, church planting church sounds real sexy, yeah. but what it really meant was two different jobs. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't recognize that. Uh, but, you know, I think God directed our steps, and we made, we made great strides uh, in what we did only because of the favor of God. So, But it went into our DNA early. In fact, what was really great is when we began to have conversations with some of the people after a few years of, of our church here in, in Spearfish, and they had talked with another church and couldn't understand why they're not planting churches. So we, you know, we were reaching unchurched people, and the only environment they know is us planting churches, and mm-hmm. they don't understand that everybody else doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we knew that we had we had won some uh, 
uh, won some prizes with with our DNA uh, being headed in the right direction. But man, it, it is a it is a challenge. It's very risky. Uh, we've been blessed to see. Uh, right now, four healthy churches going forward. That doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes churches will fail. And But right now, all four of ours are headed in the right direction. And that's just the favor of God. And so, but but we began that conversation from the, from the beginning, you know, and, and I think that helps. Um, probably if I had to live this over, we'd have gone a little bit slower in a couple of areas. I, I love the church planting process. And so if it was left up to me and I had enough money and enough planters, I'd kick one out every year, but I don't know how healthy that is long term. And that's where kind of we have gotten to now that we're looking at, man, we got to slow down and make sure, you know, I, I, I don't want to. We, we don't want to plant unhealthy plants just for the sake of planting churches. Right. And so we have to be careful. And so I would say for churches that are that are starting, you know, I think there's got to be that period of time where you focus on um, your own plant and making sure it's healthy. But sometimes I think churches wait too long to even begin that process. Mm-hmm. And, of course, now we're in an environment where you don't have to be the lead church to help plant. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about right now networking. All of the churches that we have planted uh, all pour into a church planting fund, and we're looking how all four of our churches can plant churches together along with our conventions work. And so I think that, you know, we, we took a big responsibility <laughs> in the beginning, and uh, do I need to redo that? No, you're fine. No, you're good. Sorry. Doug, Doug knocked his headphones off <laughs> as he was talking, <laughs> and it's pretty funny. That was awesome. We, we took a big responsibility and a big risk in the beginning because we had some great partners who helped us do that, but uh, that's not for everybody, and I understand that. And In fact, if I'm coaching somebody now, I'm saying, hey, get involved with a group of people to do that, and I think that's a much wiser uh, plan because uh, we it, it could have all fallen apart. We got a plant that's six hours away that we we get to see. I, I've been there three times maybe since it's been planted in about three years, and so uh, they're they're kind of on their own uh, for the most part. We do a lot of talk over uh, you know media, but not not face to face. So 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 how big was Spearfish, and how far along were you in the journey before you planted the next church? A hundred. Okay. We, we were running a hundred, um, and we started. We were doing our services on Sunday morning in Spearfish, and Sunday evening we would go over and start. We started the services in Belfouche mm-hmm. was our first plant. So you led and that so, and preached in those services. Worship team led worship. So you're basically yeah. doing two different churches. Yep, yep, and and we almost killed it because there wasn't really anybody there who was really helping pastor. We had a guy come in for a short period of time who actually planted in Sioux Falls for us. But, uh, you know, his heart was really to move towards Sioux Falls. And so uh, he helped as much as he could. But we really needed uh, we really needed somebody plugged in there. And yeah. once we found that guy, man, it's, it, just, it just took off. And we actually had a retired guy come in uh, and help us, uh, Bob Ford, who's an Arkansas pastor. Yeah. Uh, he from came in and... Yeah, yeah, he came in after he retired at Eastside and spent about three months, and he saved our bacon, man. Yeah. And uh, that church is blessed because of their work. So, yeah. but yeah, and actually, I think you remember saying that uh, in one of our conversations that you guys are jealous of your church plant. 
because because <laughs> yeah. they got like a nice facility and you guys are in the yeah. Holiday Inn and yeah we're 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 mobile and have been since uh, we we were in uh, a building for about uh, maybe a year and so the rest of our journey has been mobile and we were able to purchase them a building and they don't even know what that's like so. Uh, <laughs> You know, we want we, better we, for we, your kids than you had it for yourself. We, we do, right. we do, yeah. we celebrate that, but uh, we also go, man, it'd be nice to have a building. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doug, you've done, I think, an incredible job of finding partners mm. and raising up partners, and not only for the time you guys have been there, but you continue to do that really well mm. in a place and in a part of the country that, as you've said, is not you know, the shining lights, you know, non-send cities. Yeah. Non-send city, not, you know, it's not a very, I know we've used the word, but not a very sexy place, if you will. Sure. So tell us a little bit about how you've done that. How do you raise partners? How do you go about finding partners? And what do you think has been some of the two, maybe the two main things that you think have helped you in that process? Uh, a lot of it's hard work. I mean, it's just time. The first year that we were planting churches, I spent about 12 weeks on the road. Uh, and that was huge. I mean, that was time away from my family. There's a financial investment that was involved in that. Um, and so, I, you know, if you take, of course, the number one thing is the favor of God. And I really don't want to take that off the table. But then, then once God opens the door, it's just hard work. And so I think that God really put us in contact with some incredible partners who believed in a vision uh, that we had early on. Uh, and then just the networking after that, uh, we, we just, you know, I, I just took every opportunity I could to share the vision. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who in my seat were not a sin city. Our, our state wouldn't even qualify to be a sin city population wise. We're less than a million. And so there's a lot of guys who kind of have a, you know, a, a uh, frustration with that process. And we've been supportive of the sin city uh, strategy that NAM has. And we've been partnered with the sin city the whole time. And so, but we're the opposite of that. So we're the mm -hmm. antithesis of that. So, you know, churches in Arkansas may not want to go to Chicago or Seattle or LA or wherever. And so we're a small town in South Dakota. And so there's a comfort level of, of kind of yeah. similarity of culture. Uh, and so that's worked to our advantage. Um, where I thought my age uh, was going to be a disadvantage of an old church planner, uh, that was an advantage from a partnership standpoint because there were people who were looking at how hey, you got 20 years of experience in ministry. You're probably gonna, not going to do something really crazy <laughs> in church planting. And so we can trust you yeah. with uh, partnering and, and finances and all that kind of stuff. And so that was really, uh, you know, several things like that that kind of helped us and man it's just a continuing process because we've had we've had partners that have been with us and then rotated off and then we've had to put new partners in and uh, so and there's been some partners who've been with us through the whole journey and so that's been exciting but it is a lot of work uh, and uh, you know I kind of thought before I got in the church planting process that North American Mission Board funded church planters and missionaries in North America like the IMB does, and that's just not how it works. And so that was a that was a learning process for me. And I'm not saying it's bad; it's just I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the North American Mission Board has been a great partner for us, but we've had some great churches that have partnered with us as well. Yeah, awesome. So so you're seven years in, you said. 
six years for the church, but you guys have been there seven years? Almost seven years as a family, yeah. Okay. So four churches now. Um, You know, talk about kind of raising up leaders in that context. Have you brought in a bunch of folks from the outside? Have they been, you know, folks from South Dakota that, you know, that have kind of raised up to help you plant uh, leadership you've sent out? What You know, kind of talk about that process a little bit. Yeah, so the most of our uh, up to this point has been uh, the people that we have put into place have been from the from the south. You know, yeah. we've brought people up. Uh, our latest church plant, we did plant an indigenous guy who's local, and we're excited about that. He's really green. Uh, yeah. He's learning, uh, but um, that's the goal: is not to bring people from other places, but to begin to raise up our own leadership. But that's, as you guys know, that's an investment of time and energy, yeah. and that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, yeah. And so, we're beginning that process and hoping that some of our church plants will breed uh, some more church planters in the future. And so, that's that's our prayer: is that God would uh, put somebody up here who who doesn't uh, sound like they drink sweet tea all the time uh, and has a local flavor, uh, you know, that because there is a there is a, a barrier, you know, as much as I love this city and I feel at home here, I still sound like I'm not from here yeah. uh, with my southern draw. And so uh, people will eventually get over that. But it is a barrier. And so, you know, we, we want to begin to raise up people who are local and who have a passion for maybe even a city or a region that they've grown up in. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You guys have planted three different uh, churches, but you don't do campuses, and you don't really do just independent church plants. All of them have the name Connection Church. Was that intentional, like saying, all right, we don't want to do campuses? I mean, I guess you started Belfouche as a campus, really, probably more. Well, So, so talk, talk uh, about but, kind of your model, how you shifted yeah. Belfouche and all that, just— how you arrived so at our latest philosophy. one in Sturgis, our latest one in Sturgis, we are keeping uh, kind of as a preaching campus. Uh, so we're doing their books and we're helping them. They're officially a part of us. Uh, the other two churches we planted to be autonomous. The, one of them is in Sioux Falls. That's six hours away. There's no way we could really even kind of be involved on a daily basis anyway. Uh, so they they have been autonomous from the beginning. Uh, as we looked at Sturgis, we had a guy with less experience. We had followed Andy Addis's um, mm-hmm. uh, model, uh, and that's really kind of what we were shooting for. We tried video in the beginning; it didn't really work for us, and so we've kind of switched switched to a, a, a preaching uh, point campus model there. Uh, but you know, so we we tried some different things, and man, it, it's it's hard to figure out. Some of it's just. Uh, you know, shoot and see what sticks, you know, uh, and being led by the Lord in that and trying to figure out where he's leading us to, to go and be. So what, what do you think were some of the reasons why the video venue campus didn't, didn't stick that model? I don't know, man. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, personally, I, I don't know if you want to put this on the podcast. I don't know if I'm a good enough preacher. Uh, you know, <laughs> a- Andy didn't, Andy didn't think that that would matter. Uh, I felt like we were putting out a quality um, product, um, but there was a disconnect, and uh, um, I, I'm not really sure why that. And, and, and I'm not sure that that's a reason why. You know, we may look back and go, "Man, that probably would have worked," and we may try to get right. another place. We have the equipment and the ability to do it again if we did it. But you know, we're, part of part of church planting is you know, I, I, you know, I used to be in churches that would do a ten year plan 
And boy, 10 years in church planning is like two years. You know, you can't look much farther than 24 months out or you're mm-hmm. just guessing. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we may reevaluate and go, this video thing really does work. We probably did it in a different way than we should have. If we were to do it over. Uh, and, but that's church planning, man. I mean, yeah. there's a constant readjustment of the, what, what are we supposed to do? What should we do? What will work? Uh, and so, uh, you know, it could, it could be the town that the town didn't, wasn't acceptive of it, but you know, Andy's obviously made it work in an incredible way. Yeah. And I really, I really champion what they're doing yeah. there because uh, they look that we were impressed. You know, yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I tell everybody all the time, I, I kind of operate with the Thomas Edison light bulb philosophy that, you know, if it doesn't work, that's just one more way not to do it. It doesn't mean you stop. Uh, it's just one more way not to do it. So let's find another way that maybe will work. And, uh, so, yeah. uh, so that's great. That's great. Well, and that's, you know, there've been, you know, a couple of churches here in Arkansas that have tried the video venue as well. And it hasn't worked for various reasons. Um, you know, whether it was, didn't have the right campus pastor or didn't have the right kind of core people or just didn't like the video. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons, you know, why that could happen. But, uh, um, wondered if you guys had pinpointed anything in particular on that. So, 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 okay. So you seven years in, uh, you know, what would be some of the biggest lessons you've learned, uh, particularly as a, you know, a parachute drop guy, I mean, you're parachuting into a culture, uh, that while there's some similarities, it's, you know, there's a lot more snow there than it, <laughs> there is here. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a long way from, you know, home and everything. So what would, what would you say would be kind of the biggest lessons you guys have learned that would be uh, encouraging to some of our church planners. I believe you have to be called to where you're planted. Uh, if your calling is not strong, I don't care if you're 50 miles away or 500 miles away, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, and uh, that, that plays into a lot of different areas, man. If your marriage is not healthy, um, it, it's going to be a challenge. If your kids are not bought in, uh, it's a challenge. Uh, if you are not uh, willing to work hard, uh, then man, you're never going to make it. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, we, we really, uh, have, have just tried to, uh, talk to other planters who are planting and say, man, if, if you're going to do this, you, you've really got to make sure that, God has your attention about who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be because, man, there's a constant battle to shift the vision by other people. So you've got to be confident in who you are. I'll I'll tell you, after 20-plus years in ministry, now 25, I've never seen the amount of spiritual warfare that I've I've experienced yeah. as I've been a church planter. Yeah. And so if you're not if you're not prepared for that, man, that'll catch you off guard and and uh, you know, we see the stories about guys who get into this world and and it uh, it hurts them, you know, it hurts yeah. their family. So I would say, you know, count the cost is probably the short answer to that uh, and and make sure that you know that this is because man, uh, I could find a lot easier things to do than this. So if you're <laughs> yeah. not called to it, it's, it's not yeah. worth it. You know, yeah. hmm. I, you know, uh, Jim Griffith and Bill Eason wrote the, you know, 10 most common mistakes, you know, new church planners make or new church starts make. And, and I, I'm fascinated about their number two was underestimating the opposition mm. and mm. talking about spiritual warfare. Yeah, and, for sure. And I've told people, you know, I've been doing the church planning thing now for, you know, about eight and a half years from our start with City Church with Darren Neely uh, to now, you know, for the convention for, well, eight years this month. And 
that that was one of the things that I was not prepared for was the amount of, of opposition and and just misunderstanding of what church planning was, uh, you know, the, some unrealistic expectations. And then the, the man, we just had a ton of health issues that popped up in our family. Um, you know, we had a couple of years there that were just nonstop chaos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really learn to pray, uh, you know, during those times and, uh, and learning more and more, you know, every day, but, but man, you're spot on there. Story after story after story, uh, from some of our planners with that front lines ministry, dude. That's right. For sure. <laughs> so, all right. So any, any one big piece of advice or last thing you'd, you know, say to church planners, you know, before we kind of get off here. And then maybe a couple you of bet. things we can pray for you. Uh, you for- bet. You bet. Well, I would say, I, I tell every church planner, uh, I don't care how many leaders you have, you haven't developed enough. Um, <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's one thing we've learned. And, and through every every plant we've planted, I've tried to teach every one of those church planters, man, from day one, make sure that you are uh, developing leaders because no matter what stage of life your church plan is in, you're going to need more leaders. And and sometimes growth comes very quickly. And so if you're not prepared for that, uh, you're going to get caught uh, behind the eight ball. And, you know, here we are seven years in uh, and we're still, you know, we're still in trying to catch up. Uh, and, And that's a great thing when you grow faster than you have leaders for, except for, you can't keep the growth if you're not careful. So yeah. uh, develop leaders, develop leaders, develop leaders. Yeah, yeah. Anything, what can we pray for you for? Man, we're, we're constantly uh, looking to plant more churches. You know, we want to be on God's schedule with that. And uh, we, we want to make sure that we're taking, uh, you know, wise um, steps in where God wants us to be. But, you know, one of the greatest needs that we have in the Dakotas is more church planting. And so uh, our biggest need is probably church planters, you know. And so, uh, man, pray that God will continue to call people from wherever, from some other place, somebody listen to this podcast or even, you know, somebody who's in our back backyard that we're not aware of yet. You know, we're putting the word out because we believe that uh, what God's done in Spearfish, South Dakota, of all places, that God can do anywhere. Yeah. Absolutely. And you guys are looking at le- the Lee Deadwood area. Uh, yeah. We have a couple places identified here in the Black Hills, and, okay. and there are multiple places all over North and South Dakota that we're looking at to try to plant churches. And so it's not a problem with finding a place. It's mm-hmm. a problem with finding somebody with the passion for those places. Yeah. Yeah. And awesome. Yeah. If, if you're curious, uh, you know, uh, the Black Hills is absolutely beautiful place. Mount Rushmore's there. There's fun stuff to do. Uh, you need to go up and see Doug, you yeah. know, and hang out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I like I like Rapid City. I like Spearfish. The canyon there in Spearfish is just absolutely beautiful. So, uh, yeah, people need to come check it out. Maybe maybe there's a planter out there that God's, you know, pricking their heart about uh, South Dakota. So, Yeah, and for anybody listening that might be interested, you know, the, the great thing is knowing you're going to have a great, great church up there behind you and a network of churches that – you know, Doug is cultivated to be praying for you and, and some uh, potential resources as well. So to have a guy that's been down the road and planted well and multiple times, you got good support and encouragement and coaching there. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, so while it's, while it's as you said a while ago, while it's still reckless, it's reckless with God in control and a great church 
behind you. So uh, for sure, yeah, for sure. So that's great. Well, man, thanks so much for for hanging out with us and talking to us. And uh, this is this is good conversation, man. Because a lot of our folks are where you guys are and trying mm-hmm. to decide: is it time for us to plant that next church or not? Are we big enough? Do we have enough resources, enough leaders? All those questions. And to hear that you guys were a hundred and you know just a few years in and planted the first church, I, that's that should be very encouraging to some folks to go ahead cool. and just step out there. So, man, thanks so much. Bet. All right, Doug, now we're going to do rapid fire with you, man. Just kind of quick responses to these questions. We do this with everybody. What's the top one or two books that have had the most impact on you? Uh, probably uh, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that was really instrumental in my discipleship process in college. And then there's a guy named Tim Keller. I don't know if you guys have heard anything <laughs> yeah. by him. Uh, the Prodigal God. Mm. Uh, I love that. That was really instrumental in my walk with Christ. So Me too. All right. What is your biggest strength in ministry and then biggest weakness to overcome? Yeah. So I think uh, God's really given me uh, the ability to be a visionary. Uh, I, I can I can look at what needs to happen and uh, try to help forget figure out a uh, process to make that come to life. Uh, I would say then my biggest weakness is administration. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I can do it, but uh, don't really love it. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm, I'm a good procrastinator when it comes to that sometimes. <laughs> yes. Why do today what you can do tomorrow? That's what I always say. Exactly. If, if procrastination was an Olympic sport, <laughs> I would be a gold medalist. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. U.S. Olympic team sending Dave McClung and Doug Hickson to the, on the pra- procrastination <laughs> that would team. Be a, that would be that'd be a great win for the U.S. <laughs> and, and we may go or we may not. You know, we might just wait till next year. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Wait, wait till next four years and just decide. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, what's your favorite uh, hobby or pastime? Oh, man, I am learning how to fly a plane. Uh, oh, wow. I, uh, yeah, I've been uh, riding a motorcycle until a little girl pulled out in front of me, uh, and I laid it down on the concrete and decided oh. that wasn't dangerous enough, so I'd get in the air. <laughs> but say, so you thought, let's get in this little plane and go fly up in the air. Yeah. It, it makes sense to me. My life insurance <laughs> agent may not like either one. Yeah. But, uh, oh, goodness. That's great. Favorite movie? Oh, man. Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. I've been watching it forever. Yep. yep. So. That is my number two favorite movie of all time. And, uh, yeah. Behind Braveheart. I watch all the boring movies. You know, I like seeing yeah. people get shot, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of our guests like a little violence, a little wholesome violence. <laughs> There's something about church planning yeah. and, and violent action movies yeah. that kind of go hand in hand. It is. Whatever keeps it out of the boardroom. You know? That's right. That's right. You know, so. All right. Favorite band or musician? Oh man, I, if you looked at my iTunes account, you'd think I was schizophrenic. Uh, I I like a little bit of everything, country rock. Uh, I'm I'm mostly a '70s '80s rock guy. Uh, you know, Leonard Skinner, Boston. You know, a little bit of everything. Uh, and then I'm you know I love worship stuff, Crowder, and yeah, um, I listen to a little bit of all of it. So, all right. Well, that's nothing too crazy. Pretty harmless. Yeah, pretty harmless. Mild and yeah. and. Uh, 
uh, pretty mainstream, yeah. Doug. I, you know, I was really no, expecting. No, no Justin Bieber or anything <laughs> controversial. No Taylor Swift or anything. Yeah. Like no, no, I can't do any Taylor T-swizzle. Swift. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll that'll wrap us up then. Uh, those are the burning questions that all of our listeners want to know That's right. about all of our church planners. So, uh, so you have sated their desires there. All right, man. Well, I'm just I'm here to please. <laughs> I don't know where that that phrase came from. So, Thanks. and I'll be the first to buy the uh, thesaurus written by David McClung. So. <laughs> Look for that coming be, soon. Boy, that'd be quite the bestseller. <laughs> A redefinition of the English yeah. language. Hey, you think Webster had an impressive thesaurus? <laughs> you right. should see Dave McClung. <laughs> That's right. I can't even uh, say thesaurus. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, that might be the first step in writing a thesaurus is to be able to say it. Yeah. Is that a dinosaur? Like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a rare thesaurus. Yeah. <laughs> they have those in the Black Hills? Yeah, we do. Yeah, herds of them. <laughs> yeah, we hunt them up here. That's what we do with them. Right. So, Tastes uh, a lot like chicken. <laughs> yeah. uh, chicken and burnt hair. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, Doug. Appreciate what you guys are doing up there. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, I loved it. I'm a I'm a fan of the grind, so I listen to it every time you guys put one out. So (laughs) keep doing what you're doing. I'm glad you have too much time on your hands. So uh, (laughs) you should you should really develop more of a hobby or pastime. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of my parole. uh, You know, my parole officer said I needed to. Uh, this uh, is your penance. Uh, that's right. Well, thanks, All right, man. man. Awesome talk to you, buddy. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. All right, bye-bye. We'll see you. It's a great conversation with Doug. Uh, real, known that guy for many years now. Gosh, we pastored in the same association in western Arkansas before I, didn't I came. Know that. Yeah, I was in Midland, and he was at Calvary Baptist in uh, Fort Smith. Was he the pastor there? Mm-hmm. Oh, I yep, didn't know sure that. was. Okay. And then yeah. he left Calvary and went to Pampa, Texas, okay. uh, and pastored there for several years before he went to South Dakota. And so we got to meet before he went to Pampa, and uh, just great guy, and uh, just kind of kept up with him and, and watched him all the way through. And what they're doing in, in South Dakota is just it's just fantastic. I mean, it it's is just incredible. It is. So you know, a couple of things he said really kind of captured my attention. Uh, you know, just even the the last thing he said. You know, no matter how many leaders you have, you you haven't developed enough. Right. I mean, how many times have we had those conversations? You know, with church planners that we just we need some more leaders. We need some mm-hmm. more leaders. I mean, all of them are crying for experienced leaders. Number one to help them develop some of the new believers into leaders that they have, and just. Yes putting processes into place to make sure that happens, not assuming it's going to happen, being intentional about that is is so crucial. And particularly if you're parachuting into a place, just you and your family, the only way that church is going to grow is if you're leading them to Jesus, gathering them together, developing them as disciples into leaders to then help plant other churches which is the way it should happen all the time. Right. But, you know, that just really stands out. And, and one of the other things he said that I love, he said, you know, uh, you know, when you're planning, you got to make sure of that calling. If God is in it, uh, it you know, without God, it's reckless. But if, if God's in it, it's still reckless, but God's in control. Right. <laughs> and so right. I was talking to a guy just this morning who's getting ready to to leave Summit Church and go to Seattle to be a part of a church plant up there and is raising support, going to be on staff, and is just passionate about evangelism. Been a believer for about six years and uh, just you know wants to go 
you know, share with people what someone shared with him, mm. you, you know, and just passionate and everything and a little bit nervous and a little scared. And I told him this morning, I said, look, dude, you're going to look back on that call to go to Seattle as your kind of linchpin, that's your stake in the ground. Yeah. And when it gets hard, you're going to look back to that. And, you know, you know, as Doug said, you know, if God's in it, you know, while it may still seem like a risk, and it is, you're stepping out in faith, mm-hmm. but it's a risk that's informed by him and controlled yeah. by him. And so so you can he, – he just – Kevin described it this morning. I love this analogy. He said, this is not blind faith going up mm. there. He said, I'll paint it this way. He said, when you're teaching your kid to jump into the pool and you're standing in the water and asking him to jump off the, the mm. concrete into your arms, it's not blind faith. You've fed him. You've clothed him. You've cared for him. <laughs> He knows you. Right. And so when he jumps, he expects you to catch him. Yeah. And he said, that's kind of how I see this move to Seattle. I thought, that's a a brilliant kind of picture. And, you know, and Doug has certainly experienced that, you know, in South Dakota. Yeah. As if we can't trust our father that we're stepping out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, that's that's a great picture. It's a good analogy. Yeah. Well, back to leadership development. If you're going to be a church planting church, you got to raise up leaders. Yeah. I mean, you got to raise up leaders who are going to go out, who are going to plant, but then you have to have leaders who are going to replace those leaders who leave. And I think that's what BJ Strickland said is here we are sitting out all these people and we send out our best. So if you're not developing leaders, you really can't be a multiplying church. And I, I, I love speaking of risk. I just love what Doug said. I mean, I, I do think that sometimes you almost have to do it. You just have to do it. And, And they just jumped in with both feet and he's like, we almost killed it. You know, we weren't doing it. And then Bob Ford came in and he said, saved our bacon. Yeah. But there, that church in Belfouche now is, I think, running almost as many as people as Spearfish is yeah. now. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is sometimes you think, oh, well, we just need to wait till we're 200 or 300. Well, they did it when they were 100. Right. And they did it probably before they were ready. But look at the result of what's happened, yeah. you know? And so sometimes I think we just, we get too timid in thinking about, oh, we can't do that versus hey let's just jump in let's go for it yeah. let's let's risk it you know let's just jump in with both feet i appreciated that very much uh he also said that he prayed for south dakota long <laughs> before god <laughs> yeah. sent him to south dakota and i think when we talk about church planting and how god might want to use you for church planting Often we think about what we can't do instead of what we can do. Every church can play, pray for a church plant. Yeah. Every church can play, pray for a region of the country that needs Jesus. And through that prayer, God could then open the door for church planting. So I think, and you might say, how do we get involved in church planting? How do we, well, prayer is a great first step because right. I don't think prayer ever stays at prayer. If right. we're doing it right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and he prayed for South Dakota and then man, just God gave him a heart for it. He couldn't just pray. He yeah. should pray. We should pray, but we can't just pray. I've seen so many churches, I think, partner with church planting, get involved in church planting through things like prayer yeah. and relationships. Mission so, trips. Mission trips. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was really valuable. To think about. So you start praying for a place, and God may send you to that place. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was that was good. Yeah, uh, fascinating there. So, yeah, you know, you know, back to your start something comment. I've been reading uh, a book called "Poke the Box" hmm. by uh, Seth Godin. I, you know, I'm a huge, becoming a huge Seth Godin fan, and and one of the things he talks about in there is one of the big problems with businesses and why some don't get off the ground. And and I think the same thing with, with church plants, 
and churches and they don't take that next step or whatever. He said can go back, be traced back to initiative and somebody just starting something. Right. And taking that step and saying, okay, we've talked about this, we've analyzed this, we've prayed through this, we've, you know, for businesses, you do all the market research, all of this stuff. And he said, all the business schools tell you to do that. But if you don't then start something, mm. you just got a bunch of information that you've collected and, you know, really don't do anything with. Right. And, and I think the same thing with ministries there. At some point, you have to take that step of faith and right. go. Right. And start, and if it goes great, then fantastic. If it doesn't go as as well, then like we talked about a while ago, that's just one more way not to do it. So you sure. back up, punt, go again. Yeah. And uh, I think he's dead right on that, particularly in the church planning world. Uh, you just you just got to go do it. Well, it's like everybody who's ever started a business in their garage that yeah. goes on to be a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> right, I right, mean, right. you know, no, there's no manual that says start a business in your garage, but you just, you know, you just want to feel yeah. like you got to start. You got to yeah. jump in. And I don't know. I think sometimes it goes back to the Faith of Leap book by Alan Hirsch and those guys. Yep. Sometimes I just think we, especially in middle class culture, whatever's safe, whatever's convenient, whatever's secure, whatever's comfortable, that's what we want. Yeah. What we need is more risk. We need to get right. out there. We need to dream big, you know, and, and jump in and try. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there are worse things than failing. That's right. You know, that's so right. anyway. That's right. It's good stuff. Appreciate Great stuff. Doug. Great stuff. Yeah. All right. We're going to kick it over to story time with Uncle Neil now. It's story. Today's story comes from Zach Reno at the Summit Church in Saline County. Recently, Zach and his team launched a new work in Saline County, which is about 10 minutes outside of the city of Little Rock. Zach tells us that during their launch weekend, they had about 20 first-time guests, three received Christ, and they are scheduled to baptize two in a few weeks. Zach also tells a story about a 20-year-old guy he met at Academy Sports on the day before launch. He invited him to church the next day. Not only did he show up for service at Summit, he requested prayer, and it looks like a new relationship is being formed. We love to hear stories like these. Send us your stories. Email us at thegrind at absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right, for bookshelf this week, we we are uh, got some new books. <laughs> I don't know what I'll, I was. I'll going. be honest. I started uh, talking before I thought through that. That's right. It uh, didn't uh, actually go as I planned. So uh, there, there's no illusion of intelligence at this point. If no. you've listened to the podcast at any length of time, so <laughs> this is what you get. We are the Uppers Basketball <laughs> Podcasting. Uh, I'm telling you, that is still the funniest thing I've heard all day. 
Uh, there were two or three times in an interview with with Doug that I I could feel a laugh coming on just thinking about that <laughs> statement. Basketball. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, all right. So for my book uh, this time around, I'm gonna do Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. And I'm actually kind of reading through all of his stuff right now. And this was the first one I picked up, and just all about team building and what what makes a good team. How do you overcome? Um, the what he calls dysfunctions of a team and, and really the five dysfunctions that he talks about are the absence of trust, uh, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability, and inattention to results. A- and hmm. if you've ever built any teams or ever, you know, church planners, you guys know this, when you're, you're building teams and building systems to do ministry and disciple making and evangelism, all this stuff, you all of these things you've got to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there has to be high trust there. You guys are on the same team. You got to be heading in the same direction. You know, you you can't put off dealing with conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, when it arises, uh, you you've got to address it, and and you can do it in a godly and biblical way. But you can't you can't let that fester. Uh, or it's going to wind up on Facebook and blow up. Exactly. Uh, you, everybody has to be committed and on board, heading in the same direction. There has to be accountability for everybody in that, including the planter. And and then you, know, you got to pay attention, you know, to what you're seeing. Evaluate. Uh, you know, look at the results. Is this working? Is this not working? If it's not working, what do we need to tweak? And you do that as a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, such a great Lencioni. I love the way he writes because he tells a story first, and then he unpacks the principles that he kind of fleshed out in the story at the end of the book. So you get what he calls a fable or a, a story in the beginning, and then the kind of the meat of what he's trying to tell you. And he'll constantly refer back to the story. And he's just an incredible storyteller, incredible writer, and. Uh, Love Lencioni's stuff so far. And yeah. I have uh, uh, the ideal team player, I think, is mm. up next on my list with him. So It's what our stuff. friend Charles Campbell would call a strategic narrative. It is a strategic narrative. Over at NAM. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, who is Lencioni? Where, what does he do? Where's What's his... I don't... He's a business guy. Business I guy. I don't okay. know. Uh, let's see. What does it say here? Founder and president of the Table Group, a uh, management consulting firm specializing in executive team development and organizational health. I wonder what his business background was. I mean, I'm not, I can Google it later. I was just curious. There is this device called the Googles. (laughs) The Googles. Yeah. uh, All right. So great. Highly recommend it. Great stuff. Yeah. If you're doing any kind of team building, team development, uh, man, highly recommend it. Awesome stuff. I, my book this week is uh, church unique. Uh, Who's that by? Mancini. <laughs> Will <right>? Mancini. <laughs> Will Mancini. <laughs> I, I was thinking Lencioni. I was like, no, it's Mancini. Mancini, uh, not Lencioni. Yeah, we use this a lot in church planting. Use this in our uh, church planting cohorts. Uh, church Unique's a great, great resource. One of the best things in there is the kingdom concept that really helps you figure out your church, what God has called your church to be about. And uh, I feel like we've had this conversation somewhere down the road, but yeah. maybe it has come out a lot in church planting, but in our conversations. But I feel like a lot of churches try to do too much. Yeah. They try to do too broad. They try to steal another church's DNA to kind of fit their DNA, to fit their context, where God has placed you specifically in your context for a specific purpose. One of the things he has, uh, 
that we have one of our, our church planters do based on that is kind of map out their community and pick a couple of churches and try to figure out, all right, what are those churches best known for? And you try to think about it in terms of blanking blank. So, you know, whatever, it's like raising up leaders or engaging the community or making disciples or, you know, uh, uh, producing programs or, you know, what, what is that church known for? And it's cool to see them kind of map it out and see how God has uniquely positioned every church with a specific kind of task and identity in the kingdom. And then that kind of leading that church plant to say, okay, what is your identity in the kingdom? Mm -hmm. What are you going to be about? What are the things that God has given your church specific gifts for? What is your specific local predicament, local problem, local issue? And, and how has God given you a passion to, to, to impact that? So, I think it's great. It's great to help any pastor any think about their church, any uh, youth pastor, executive pastor, anybody in a ministry to reevaluate their ministry. Yeah, and then especially church planters thinking about church plants. Yeah, that that book is is worth the price of the book for that kingdom concept section. It is, I, I think. It, yeah, I'm to every church. Yes, should should work through that. Yeah, and. I, we use it all the time. Yeah, every, I, just about every conversation I have I had a conversation this morning uh, with a guy that's uh, wanting to to plant with some internationals mm-hmm. uh, and really reach in has has a heart for uh, Muslim uh, people from Saudi Arabia wherever and and just thinking through that kingdom concept for him to hone in on vision and where God's leading him, how he's going to connect and everything. I just think it's so helpful. And yep. uh, so highly, I highly recommend that as well. Great, great stuff. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of The Grind. Great conversation with Doug. Got some good stuff coming up. Um, we're... By the time this one airs, we'll be a week or so away from Exponential Conference in Orlando, Florida. So if any of you guys out there listening are headed to Exponential, let us know. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hook up with you guys down there. Uh, largest church planning conference that I know of anywhere. And uh, we're going to be hopefully taking some mobile podcasting gear with us and try and uh, get a hold of some uh, some of the personalities there and uh, do some special interviews from Exponential. And so hopefully that'll that'll happen. That'll be fun. Got a couple of guys I think I think we're locked in with that we'll be able to do that with, and hoping for three or four others that I think will be interested in. And uh, some some great stuff coming once again. You know. Put the date on your calendar, August 19th. Jared Wilson is coming uh, to Northwest Arkansas at uh, uh, University Baptist Church there on the 19th. And there'll be more information. Check the Facebook page, uh, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the, our website, all that good stuff. And, and you'll find more information about that. We've got a couple of other one-day events in the works that are uh, not ready. We haven't locked down dates yet but some personalities that you guys are going to be interested in or excited about bringing them to arkansas and so stay tuned for that just a little teaser to wet your whistle there mm-hmm. wet your whistle wet your whistle i said wet not wet you wet. to wet your whistle wet your whistle so uh got some cool interviews coming up with kyle and zach reno of summit church conway and saline county 
uh, Nathan James and Grant Harrison from Epic Church in Little Rock. Um, they're veterans now in Arkansas and church planning. So some great conversations coming up and uh, looking forward to. So join us next time on The Grind. Oh, once again, uh, write us a review uh, on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. And we've got a few on there. We'd love to see that thing fill up. Uh, we've got some books we want to give away for that. So shoot us a review on iTunes. Uh, thank you for some of the comments on Facebook and Twitter. You guys are so encouraging and glad you're enjoying the podcast so far. Feel free to share this with your friends, retweet, like, all this stuff. We'd love to kind of expand the listenership of The Grind. We, we have a lot of fun with it, and uh, hopefully it's helpful to, yeah, to others we, as well. We have not yet corrupted as many people as we would like. That's right. So that's we right. Are, we are aiming for a greater corruption scale. So, so, so what do you want to do tonight? <laughs> Brain. <laughs> Try to take, take over, over the, the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> that's us. That's us. Uh, All right. So till next time, thank you guys, and we'll see you soon. Keep grinding.